the Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath here and the host of this podcast. Can't wait for you guys to jump in here with me and listen to this incredible, incredible conversation I had with my friend Becky Monfrey. I recently interviewed her on another podcast and just enjoyed the conversation so much that I wanted to bring her into Insurance Town. And so uh, great conversation. Uh, we talked about some personal stuff in the beginning, and then we got into some, you know, insurance related things, and then played a little game at the end. Had a great time. Uh, can't wait for you to hear it. Um, so I will jump out of the way, but before I do, I want to talk to you about my good friends over at Smart Choice. They are the fastest growing agency network, hands down, and they do that because, and they are that way because they truly care. They want to help you write more business. They want to help you by lowering premium thresholds, by raising commissions. Yes, raising commissions, by sharing and contingencies, by just uh, giving uh, back to the industry in so many ways. Uh, If you want to learn more, go to smartchoiceagents.com. Also, my good friends over at Manscaped. Manscaped is a phenomenal company that is uh, built just for men, for your your body hair grooming, or it could be for your facial hair grooming, uh, nose hairs, ear hairs. Again, as you're going out to conferences and you're you're out and about doing things, make sure you take care of those nose hairs. Make sure you take care of those eyebrows, uh, the ear hairs, the back hairs that show on the back of your shirt. Uh, all of those things, it's, it's very crucial and super important. And I know where, you know, we're coming into the wintertime. A lot of men are thinking, oh, I need to stock up on my body hair and keep all that in so I could. No, it's still something that you need to keep trimmed. You need to keep nice and tidy. Uh, make sure that you look into uh, the lawnmower 4.0 and, and check that out and uh, take care of grooming, whether it's your back hair, your chest hair, or your nether regions. Make sure that you're using Manscaped. And you can go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping. That's 20% off plus free shipping. The free shipping is a, a huge a game changer right there alone. And uh, go check that out. Tell them the mayor sent you. When you get there to manscaped.com, scroll down to the bottom when you check out. Type in the code mayor, M-A-Y-O-R, and get that 20% off plus free shipping. Guys, uh, I'm going to jump out of the way here and let you uh, check out this awesome conversation with my good friend, Becky Monfrey. Becky Monfrey, what's happening, sister? How are you? Good. How are you, Heath? Oh, man, I'm good. This feels like a little bit of deja vu. We've done this before on another podcast. Now here we are. But this time there's no rules. Ooh. We could play. That's for me. Perfect. Yeah, that is perfect. I like that. So, okay. I don't even know like where you're from. I didn't get to get a lot about you. So anyhow, uh, where are you at right now? Um, I am in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so do you have any ownership in the Packers? I don't. You know, um, there's the, they have that thing, don't they, where you can have like ownership in the team? Yes. Yeah, you can buy stock every now and then. They do like a little public offering, um, which I think comes with a certificate. And you can go to a voters meeting. You do not get to vote on the starting lineup or anything like that. <laughs> right. If that was the case, perhaps I'd, I'd jump in. Um, but there's a huge waiting line to become season ticket holders. Yeah, uh, I have classmates um, of mine from like high school who are just getting season tickets now, and their parents put them on the waiting list at first. Oh, so, wow. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of regretting I didn't do that for my kids. but That is really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um uh, maybe Amazon Prime Days, you could buy stock and stock. Uh, here we are just catching up live on a podcast, which is great. But let's go back as far as you want to lead me up to where you are now. Give me the good stuff. Don't, don't give me the boring stuff. I want to know about Becky. Okay. It's just Perfect. us. Nobody, no, nobody's listening. Just us. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I mean, grew up in a super small town. I can say that. Um, 1,800 people. Um, I, I, lived in one of those towns that you know you go on uh, good morning america and they're like how do you say this town in wisconsin and nobody knows how to say it so from wyawega wisconsin um again wyawega not not a lot of people there i think population 1800 holding steady um you know kind of typical small town um growing up uh went to school at a 
University of Wisconsin Eau Claire. Um, at, at that point in time, my goal was I just wanted to get far away from home, you know, and it was three hours away. <laughs> um, so kind of, you know, it was I was one of those girls who was like, oh, I just want to get away where I don't know anybody in. And that, that was three hours, not, not very far or exotic. Um, but after graduating, I had an education degree and I, you know, thought I was going to be a teacher at that point in time. Um, every education job had like 700 applicants. So a lot different than what it is today. Um, and thought, oh, I'm not, you know, if I don't find a job, I'm going to just apply to an office somewhere to hold me over until, um, until I get my, my big teaching, teaching job. And I found myself at a agency, an insurance agency in Wisconsin, um, in the Milwaukee area, and then ended up, um, that kind of kickstarted my career in insurance. Um, and I was there for eight years doing all sorts of, you know, everything from stapling policies or putting them in three ring binders. That's kind of what I always say. Like, you know, my, my career started like punching holes in policies and separating it into tabs of, you know, property liability and auto. Um, and, and then, you know, from there, uh, just continued to, to grow my career and met a lot of awesome people along the way and um, kind of jumped here and there from going to a carrier um, to commercial lines underwriting. Um, then I got on the sales side, then found um, kind of excitement or, you know, curiosity in this digital space. Um, so, you know, how do you, how do you make insurance smarter? Um, and then, you know, job or two here or there to kind of curate my curiosity even more. And then, then found myself at, at, um, at Cotri. Okay. So through all that, you mentioned you have two kids, yep. you know, and you have a fiance now. So, yeah. So, um, I got married right out of college pretty much. Okay. And, you know, um, had my kids pretty much like one, two, um, right out of college. I think okay. when I was 25, so I have, don't do the math, but I have a 15 year old okay. <laughs> and I have, um, also a 12 year old daughter. So 15 yeah. year old daughter, um, and I would say about, um, you know, a few years ago went through, you know, the divorce process, which got it. Okay. And life-altering um yeah, but, oh my gosh yeah yeah so um connected with my fiance oh there you go has, and he has two two little ones um so he has an oh blended family situation potentially yes, yes. so learning all that too but um but i've had to you know figure out a lot a lot of the way um of just like how to balance everything and um you know, grieve that whole process as well. And it's been. Um, yeah. That's, that's one of the things that people don't understand that haven't been through a divorce and haven't been through a tragedy like that. They just like, Oh, you're getting rid of your dead weight or your, your terrible ex-wife or ex-husband or spouse of whatever kind. But there's a lot of baggage that comes with that post divorce and trying to raise the kids and you're trying to build your career. Cause you don't have, you can't afford to be a stay at home mom. You got to provide for the kids now. And you're young and you're going through that. And I just wonder, you know, because I know there's people listening to this right now, male or female, that are either going through that now or have been through that. You know, what was some of the things that, you know, you had to, I, I'm not guessing, I know for a fact, you had to grow up quick. Yeah. I mean, I I would say I was grown up already. I will, I will give myself that credit. Okay. Um, know just like some of your ideals that you have right of what a definition of your family was or uh, you know what things are supposed to look and feel like for your kids that really changes a lot you know the um you know whether that's where you sit at a sporting event or your friend group you know a lot of times um your friends that you had or have um were really ingrained in like this the family unit especially as your kids get a little bit older and everyone is you know your friends or your kids friends parents and and things like that and you know you kind of have to just resort and reevaluate and take inventory of you know what what all that means um and what that means for your kids and what that means for you and you know it, it's sometimes even as simple as like 
what time do I have to get up in the morning to make sure all these things happen? Um, and I don't know if you, you it sounds like you kind of have been through this process. So if you have any thoughts or, you know, things that change for you, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, no, for me, you know, it's different for a mom and a dad. And, you know, I mean, there's obvious reasons there. Uh, but for me, you know, I had to to learn a lot of skills I didn't have previously. And so for me, and I had to learn like simple things I should have already known probably, but like how to organize my priorities to figure out because beforehand, and I joked with you before we hit record as we were talking about this, because I'm in a blended family right now. My kids, my son's 15, my daughter's 13, and my youngest is 10. So I'm right there with you in some of those ages. And we're, I did the math and we're the same age. But so, uh, sorry, but um, we're both super young. Um, but anyhow, so, but yeah, like for me, I joked with you about, you know, for 30 years, I had someone else wiping my ass for me and doing things for me and helping me out, whether it's my mom, my wife, whatever it might have been. You know, yeah. and then I had to learn all that on my own. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I've got a five month old and a five year old that are relying on me, you know, to uh, take care of them. And so I had to shift. I was such a selfish person just by nature. I didn't realize that until the time. And so now I've got to realize, OK, now I've got to learn how to change a diaper, fix food, you know, do all that kind of things. I had joint custody. So I had week on week off and, you know, and I was trying to build my career. And I was trying to do this and I was at the, in my thirties and I'm like, you know, I'm at this like point in my career where it's like decision-making time and you're really yeah. hitting that stride and you're in that place. And I'm like, whoa, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that I experienced through that process too, like where you're just like, again, you're kind of like reevaluating like, okay, my trajectory was this, is that, is that still what I can do? Like, is that still where I'm at? Um, can I still do those things at the time um, that I went through this process? You know, I was uh, basically a territory sales manager. And as, as you know, that means like car and driving. Yeah. And, you know, you're especially, you know, state of Wisconsin, you're two to six hours away at any given time and coming home and kind of had to reevaluate if that's, is that even feasible for me anymore? Do you know, do I need to take an in-house role of some sort um and you know just be closer to home and like what does that mean for my career and my um yeah. and bonus structures and all those things that go with that and you know having to kind of say like well what can i what can i do that best puts me and my kids um in the best position and like you mentioned the priority thing like i'm very very like i don't want to i don't want to be away is you know that yeah. kind of my kids is like our time together and so maximizing that to like the fullest potential is um super high priority for me so that means sometimes i have to say no you know and that's the one of the hardest things and I, you know sounds like we have a very similar mirrored you know career path there i was also a territory manager uh, for a company and you know people have listened to the show they know you know and they've probably seen me i travel a lot now but, you know, I got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm at this pivotal part in my kid's life where I need to be home more. And so I, that's when I, you know, got back into the agency side, left yeah. the, you know, because I could stay home. I could build that there, get involved locally in the chambers and the local things going on and B&I and whatnot. And getting back into um, being a producer and building and that, again, was something that I needed to do for a, a period of time in my career until my kids got to a place where, now, you know, 15 and 12, they don't know, they don't care if you're around anymore. <laughs> At least mine, you know, like, good to see you, dad. I'm gonna go see my friends, you know, or they're involved in basketball or cheerleading or soccer, whatever it might be. I always felt guilty for having that regret or having that guilt, not guilt, but I wish I would have, or I wish I could go or those thoughts of like, you know, seeing on Facebook, everybody living out their best life. And I'm like, and then I'd feel bad. Does that make sense? I'd feel guilty for feeling bad. Anyway, hopefully you understand that. Well, that's part of that process too, right? Is like, um, yeah. like, hey, I could have or used to be able to do these things, and now I can't. And 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 sometimes you can, right? It's the, we always we have options, we have choices, right? But some some things, and whatever the situation is, like you, uh, maybe the trajectory or the path or the the time frame might be a little bit different, but. I, for me personally, one of the things I want to ask you about as a former like agency person or carrier or whatever, 
for me, uh, being a parent is something that, you know, has evolved for me as part of my identity and who I am and what I do. And it helped me to be a better salesperson, helped me to be a better marketing rep, helped me to be a better, you know, as you said, you were in underwriting and you've done all these other things from wherever you are in your career. And I think once I figured that part out, it was helping me. And I'm a big relationship guy, whether you're in sales, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in underwriting, I'm a true believer in the relationship. Yeah. I think, I mean, what better tool than children really to teach you like how to have a relationship and develop empathy and like caring and um, unconditional grace, I would say both for the child and for yourself, right? In that process, is there anything better than parenting to kind of teach you those things like emotional intelligence and having conversations? Like, I think I'm at the stage and I would imagine you are too with your kids where, you know, you're talking to them and um, you're realizing like, they're like many, many use, right? You're having these conversations and you can talk about like deeper things and you're like, oh yeah, like this is, you know, this is exactly why we're doing what we're doing. And it's oh awesome. yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I, um, you know, I, I took my kids, you know, or my oldest to his first college visit and that was wild to me, you know, to be able to sit and talk to him about his career path and what he wants to do and whatnot. And, you know, him and I having some of those conversations on the drive and, you know, we just, it was just a very sweet moment for me, but, and I'll try to cry. So, um, but one of those things though, like you said, you know, those things that help you build those relationships and right now, um, you know, I think that those relationships are more important than ever, um, in our life. And I think as we're talking to our clients, again, you say what better way to teach us that, but also what, you know, uh, better way to relate, whether it's dogs or, you know, pets or kids for that matter, being a parent to be able to, talk through some of those things and build that relationship pretty quickly because everybody likes to talk about their kids or their pets or their spouse or their whatever. So I think whether you're personal lines or commercial lines, underwriter talking to your agent or vice versa, I think you can always use certain things like that, you know, uh, as a tool. I like that you said tool to help you build that rapport. Right. And even, you know, I would say that there's times too where like you can certainly relate to somebody who even you know they don't have children or they don't have dogs that yeah learn and like the common experiences that we have just from you know interacting with with our like important people or important things in our lives right like those lessons are always relatable even if it's not that exact exact um yeah I've had these long conversations with my kids about you know what I do and like doesn't it seem like I'm really fulfilled and satisfied and it's so awesome and they're i've literally had them say to me before could you just say you work at mcdonald's because people understand that right <laughs> and it's like no 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 i mean yes if that if that really you know helps helps you sure but right can't you just be like a doctor or a nurse or something I'm yeah like, that is then so it's just funny to them and you know they're um it's interesting too if I think like COVID and the impacts um, that it's had just with like the, you know, shelter in place, my kids have no interest in working on a computer or being like, they want to be on the go or that's what they say now. I don't know if that'll change yeah. this, this right here being, you know, at a desk or even having zoom meetings to them seems like torture right now. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. I find that fascinating because I see, I see some of that, but then I also see, um, I, I think that two, two and a half years, whatever you want to call it, of COVID really hurt a lot of people in the, in the sense that they don't know how to communicate with others. They don't know how to. And so they resort back to, I mean, I've got, you know, one of my kids just addicted to her phone and just wants to be on it all the time. And like, she could be sitting with all of her friends at a sleepover and they're all like right there in the same room texting each other. I'm like, why don't you put the phone on talk to each other? Like, it's just, I'm just thinking out loud here, but I wonder, cause my daughter does the same thing at her sleepovers. <laughs> They're on the phones or sending each other TikToks from across. The yeah. Room. Yeah. Whatever it is. Um, you know, I wonder if like that is like, they've already established a relationship, so they don't think maybe that's how they nurture it. I'm, I'm not really sure, but I, you know, well, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, and on, on all of us, I think from time to time, right? Like we're. Yeah. T- across the house time for dinner <laughs> whatever well it's funny you say that because um 
I've talked about this before too, but I've got literally six Alexas in my house. Um, you know, all th- my kids have Alexas in their room, actually seven. And then we have them in our living room, our dining room, the kitchen, our bedroom. There's everywhere. And I use it for an intercom system, but I also use it to play music throughout the house or whatever. If they're in a room and they want to know something, it's like, hey, Alexa, da, da, da. And, um, but, you know, I use that a lot. Like, I'll be, and my wife's like, you're so lazy, but I'll just be, you know, in bed. And I'll be like, all right, kids, time to get up. I'll just make an announcement on the Alexa to everybody in the house. Hey, kids, time to get up. Instead of getting up and walking down the hallway you know, 15 steps, but I mean, it's like technology has made life so much easier in that way. But at the same time, it's, it's interesting how, uh, how technology works in that way and how much we've changed. You talk about some of your early jobs were, you know, putting together policies and, and binders and some people listening to this, like, what are you talking about? And then there's some people like, Oh yeah, I remember that. Or people that remember rating sheets or people that remember some of the ways that used to be done. Yeah. And you had, you know, and you had brought up, you know, you know, throughout your career how you progressed through and now you're with a technology company. And so to think about and I'm in the same boat. So I find that interesting that again, I think our careers have mirrored each other in some sort of way. But you know, I I um I, I wonder, you know, how much further it can go. But I also think about, you know, where I was 10 years ago. And now where we are now and what that technology looks like and the old school questions that people used to ask on Accord apps. And now Coterie has found a way to get rid of some of those. Ladies and gentlemen, we're at a mid-roll ad and I can't wait to jump into this because I want to talk to you about my good friends over at Canopy Connect, your one-click solution to getting those deck pages you need to quote your prospect. And not only are they doing the uh, deck pages where you can get driver lists and you can get previous insurance information and you can get all of that info. Now on the commercial side, you can get loss runs and uh, those are so crucial and so valuable and it's hard to, you know, to get those from people and whatnot. Now you can get them with the click of a link and you can share that with your referral partners, with your clients. You can, you know, build that within your website uh, you can put in a signature of your email, whatever you want to do. Uh, Canopy Connect has been a game changer for several years now. They've been a part of my show since Jump Street, and I'm so proud. Uh, go to usecanopy.com, hit that backslash, go to Heath, and uh, check out the discounts. Check out uh, the demo links. Put that on the calendar. Make sure you get that demo. Uh, it's super crucial. Guys, also, former guests. I love when this happens when a former guest of the show becomes a sponsor because of you guys. They love the citizens and the feedback they got. Old school marketing. Oh, man. Rusty Dykus did a great job. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check out Rusty Dykus. And he talks about using something as simple as direct mail marketing. Such an old school thing to do, but he's doing it in a new school way and introducing a new way of doing it oldschoolmarketing.com. He's doing it in a drip method. So it's not just like bulk mailing in a neighborhood and then hoping to get a bunch of calls. The way he does it in a drip method to where your phone is ringing on a consistent basis and he's getting better results uh, and it's helping more and more insurance agents to do this in a phenomenal fashion. So go to oldschoolmarketing.com, check it out. Um, Use the code TOWN10 and get your discount. And tell Rusty that I sent you, and you're going to be so happy you did. And and it, once you see the pricing, you're like, oh, my gosh, that's all? That's incredible. So uh, take your marketing to the next level with old-school marketing. Ask them about their payment plans. Ask them about the discounts. Old-school marketing. That's O-L-D-E, school marketing. Uh, guys, thank you. Uh, let's get back to the show. Back in my day. Back, right? Back, back in our day. Yeah, yeah, yeah earlier role that I had I, I used to teach a class um for I was at a carrier and I taught a class of like top of the stack submissions right so what do you what do you answer what do you need to do to um get your commercial line submission to the top of the stack and we would literally go through you know cover letter accord forms which questions do you really need to pay attention to on the 125 and then the GL form right and so yeah. uh, what I think about like um 
and all those questions would be true too for small commercial right so there yeah. wasn't necessarily a distinguishment between you know a bop or, or a, um, a large middle market policy and, and what the accord form looked like per se so now at Coterie, you know, I've, I've fast forward my life 10 years and think about like what we're asking, what we're not asking and what we're trying to, you know, pull from data and the information that we're getting. Um, it's, it's crazy and it's incredible. And, um, you know, what's publicly available, what are some things that we can infer based on, you know, the data models or predictive modeling um, compared to sitting down and keying in, um, you know, select all no, right? <laughs> the accord forms. Um, and then you say, oh, wait, but they do have a safety program. So I'm going to check that box. Yes, right. Um, so just how far it's come um, with some of that and like understanding, you know, how fast can we move through this process, the application process and get to selling. Um, we've really tried to make it simple for producers who um, don't necessarily need to um, know everything right about the submission. If they have the name and the address, um, we'll give you some pre-fill. We ask you to check it. Um, so that means, you know, look around, see if there's sprinklers or um, that means the, you know, guests estimating the square footage, um, how yeah. long it's been in business, those types of kind of key rating factors. But some of the other things are, are available um, with the data and like our modeling that goes around it. So trying to really pull um, some of the friction out of underwriting um, and submitting business so you can just get to doing what you guys do and that's build relationships and make money, right? Yeah, no, and I think, you know, I love that there's so much there you know, I could unpack there. But you talked about some of the older stuff that, you know, people used to ask, some of the questions and some of the things y'all figured out. So I want to know from Becky, like what, what is, what's, I'll ask it this way. What was the biggest surprise or one of the biggest surprises you found that you thought always pertained and this is the information has to know to get the policy done? What is one of those things that you're like, oh, we don't necessarily have to have that? Well, I think one of the things that we found is, especially in small commercial business, um, knowing exact like loss history um, isn't necessarily indicative of how profitable um, business will be. So, um you know, we, we ask our agents to kind of pre-underwrite. Obviously, we don't want them just to send us garbage, right? Or still ask those questions. Right. Or seeing hard copy loss runs. We're not collecting that information because there are enough factors in a policy. Um, the application and the public data that we can pull that allows them not to have to go through that process, which I think is awesome because, um, again, in that, like, even small commercial space or that, that, middle you know business yeah um how often are lost runs like everyone's shy to get them anyway it, it triggers a shopping you know event or anxiousness um a lot of times you know whether it's agents or carriers they're not super fast or motivated to pull those and send them um small businesses don't always have like access to the software for like pdf creators and all the pieces that go into it so we're just trying to take out some of that friction around it. And, I, you know, that's been traditionally a very hard, like, what what are their losses? You know, anything over 5,000, we need to see a copy or a description or how it's mitigated. And we found just through other data points on this, again, it's really small commercial, micro commercial, um, that it's not as big of a factor as one would think. Yeah, I think that's fascinating because I would have thought the same thing um, that, you know, I think a lot of underwriters, a lot of agents, they think, oh, crap, they've got a few losses or they got a little bit of hair on the account. We're done for. Yeah. But I also think the flip side of that I've seen to be true of like there could be an account with zero losses and it's a high risk, you know, for yeah. a certain company or carrier. So I think, you know, people read it. I just think I love that you said that because I'd love the audience to be able to hear that. If you didn't hear that, rewind 45 seconds and let's do it again. The losses don't necessarily play as big a part as you think, I think yeah that's and and really you know looking at um frequency and severity and all those things and and maybe that'll change right maybe that'll show us something different in two to three years or whatever time frame it is but um you know if you're if you're pulling all the other data points um you know we do a lot of third-party data calls behind the scenes that would tell us, hey, you know, there are other risk factors besides just losses. 
um, you know, what kind of permits are they pulling? What kind of um, work are they doing? Or, you know, what does the roof look like? All those things. Because um, they might not have had a roof loss, but yeah. it could, right? <laughs> right. So right. those are the things that we're, we're trying to really um, fine tune and dig into. Yeah, I think that's that's awesome. I, I uh, I'm interested in that because I again I would have thought until recently talking to you and getting to know Coterie a little bit better that especially frequency or severity of losses would have made a bigger impact. And I, I know it does, but not necessarily in small and micro commercial as you call it. And so I guess my natural next question would be to ask you just from Coterie's standpoint or even Becky's standpoint, what is small commercial? Like, what's your definition of small commercial? Because some people have different definitions of that. Yeah. So, I mean, our guidelines or rules that we have in place say anything under $10 million in revenue um, or um, for non-contractors. I'll put a little asterisk by that. Um, and then under 50 employees. Um, but really, I would say our average policy uh, premium that we're looking at is probably around two grand, give or take. So really, like, bomb yeah. to- business for um true i'd say like micro commercial small commercial business I mean, we write we write certainly bigger policies but we're right. also not looking to you know insure a lot of big buildings or you know the things that are probably more premium heavier driving premium or i would say casualty focus for the most part yeah so with that being said of that small commercial of let's say you know five ten grand and under two grand there being your average a lot of agencies are trying to figure out right now, like, how do I stop the bleeding on small commercial? Because that's yeah. what I hear a lot, whether I'm talking to agents on a podcast or coaching them or hearing just at conferences. It's like, how do I make money at small commercial? Because it could be profitable and they're easy and they're quick. And they're like, okay. And so there are people that have resorted to, and this is not a bad thing by any means, resorted to uh, VAs or getting bots or, you know, doing this or doing that and replacing, which, okay, or getting more processes. But what Coterie has done is found a way, you know, to make that quicker by, like you just said, taking away some of those questions, you know, uh, taking away some keystrokes I'm imagining. So um, what are some other ways that agents are using Coterie or Coterie could be using Coterie to make money at small commercial? So I guess I would say from like start to finish, um, Coterie's invested a lot of time and energy around being where um, agents want to write their business, whatever that is. So if you want to come to the Coterie portal and quote your business from start to finish, great. If you are funneling leads through um, a third party system and you want to have those kind of instantly coded quoted with Coterie, quoted with Coterie, that's like a little tongue twister. Right. Um, um, you know, you have that option if you want to go on like a small commercial rating platform um, and you don't know what's, if it's a fit for Coterie, you know, we've invested our time and energy there to say, you know, hey, wherever you want to quote your business, that's where we're going to be. Um, so we spent some time there kind of taking that, like really just trying to be where, where our agents are. Um, and then the second part of it, you know, besides making that really awesome, I would say, um, underwriting, quoting, rating experience, you know, customers can take a link and pay a credit card themselves. You know, you're not having to pick up a check, right? So that, again, that whole purchase experience is super easy. Decks are emailed, uh, certificates emailed to both the customer. You know, so you're, again, you're not having to like deliver or have your, your customer service person type those out. But then I think where we're really going, where we're spending a lot of more t- time and energy as well is just, driving the policyholder to have more self-service as well. So you still have an agent, right, to answer questions and to help you, right? But does your, does your you know, CSR or your producer um, really need to key a certificate for you? Right. Um, right. If, if literally it's a name and address and that's all they need, you know, having more and more self-service options um, for customers is kind of where we're spending our time and energy, you know, um, making it as easy as possible for uh, producers, agencies to not have to service that business, I think is really our next next step um, in building out like the full experience. Um, so having you guys be as, as hands-off as possible without necessarily having to deploy that to 
you know, third parties. Um, or if you're using yeah. a VA, like our system should be easy enough that that's not a problem, right? Like that's kind of where we're, we're looking to go. So you're talking about even beyond, okay, yes, you're making the quoting process easier, but now you're looking at making the servicing process that much better. Yeah. That's pretty fascinating. I haven't heard that yet. So uh, not only helping, say, let's go back a second. So facts here, um, yep. you know, the time from start to finish. If I were to get a small bop, let's say a flower shop, something super easy, vanilla, whatever, I put it in, I've got somebody on the phone with me and they need a quote. How quick can I go from start to finish and bind it, issue it, pay for it, the whole nine? Should be like less than two minutes. Holy crap. Okay. And so like even like it doesn't matter, like because you don't have like live underwriters that are doing this. It's all like so it could be Friday at four thirty and I'm trying to get out the door to go pick up the kids from practice or whatever it might be to start my weekend. And someone calls and said, hey, I'm opening my shop over the weekend, or I just opened. I don't have my answer. What? I don't know. You know, I need it, which I got those calls a lot, you know, or a contractor's like, hey, I got a job this Saturday. I forgot to get work comp. They won't take a ghost policy, whatever it is. I need to get this. I could do that in two minutes. Yes. Holy smokes. Um, that's fantastic. Something even more exciting or even better is we- But wait, there's more. There's more, yes. Um, we're sound like an infomercial here, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so we just deployed this last month, um, but it's really allowing our agents to, um, we're calling it my digital agency. And it's not to compete with any like, um, high tech white label solutions, but if you Heath, have that floral shop on a Tuesday and they call you, um, and maybe you are, you know, on a plane, right? <laughs> or they send you an email you can send them a link and they can quote themselves and you'll get all the credits so they can put in their own name and address, check those things. Wow. You know, if that's something that you're interested or you want to do, um, or if you want to drop that link into, you know, your, your campaign for your marketing um, team, whatever it is, if you're targeting landscapers, we can take that link even a step further and just have like all the landscaping classes pop up versus um, having this, you know, like pick any class you want from our list of 4,000, you know, we can make it really narrow too. So we're trying to, to really um, put the capability of feeling yeah. like a digital agency um, in the hands of, you know, kind of our more traditional agents that so they're just able to, to deploy that um, in a way that's productive and again, takes the friction out. So again, on Saturday, you don't have time to call, um, and find out what their payroll is, you can just say, hey, feel free to enter this information and I'll get back to you and or they'll get a bindable quote. So Yeah, I think that's awesome. And so I could see that working in so many ways of, you know, if someone reaches out, you could either text them a link to that or you could put it on your website as a tab they could click in or there's so many ways that people could do it or your existing clients that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are like, hey, I decided you know, I was going to buy this business over the weekend and I need to add this coverage or I just started my own whatever, you know, I'm thinking about it like, hey, you know, just go on our site. You can get a quote no matter whatever. And you can bind it. You don't have to talk to me. You know, some people, you know, they're running so fast. They don't have time yeah. to stop and call and go through it. And I think back to back in our day, um, we I thought it was super cool when someone could go on our website, put all their information in. And then it would come, it would be emailed to me or my staff, and then they would go through the quote process. And three or four days later, we could get them a quote. But now yeah. they can get their own damn quote. Yeah, but that's fascinating. Um, and the, you know, the great thing about that too in that process is we do, you know, really try to say like, "Hey, Heath is your trusted advisor. It's your phone number. You know, if you want to call and talk to him, or like, hey, I'm stuck. Is this a good limit?" Um, or what, what is the normal GL limit or whatever it is? Like you have that option. We're trying to really put the agent at the center um, to answer those questions and um, spend time, you know, building out that relationship. Um, because again, they're coming to you because they're looking for that, um, that advice or that, Hey, if something goes wrong, I know, I know he's going to handle it or he's going to help me with right. something. Happens. Crazy. Yeah.
Yeah, I think that's fantastic. I uh, okay. So again, we sound like an infomercial for coterie, but I think people need to know some of these things because again, going back to making money at commercial, let's say okay. So do me a favor. Um, let's take off the coterie hat for a minute. Yeah. You know, there's two just insurance professionals that love commercial insurance. I'm assuming you do. I love it. Um, you know, what are some advice you could give to the agency owner or the CSR or the producer, whoever it is listening right now, um, however, however you want to take to make that process, you know, that much better for the client or for yourself? Um, I'll make it real broad for you. You can't screw it up. So I think, um, again, making the quoting process, like, to getting um, viable leads, um, you know, you're not necessarily spending all your time chasing um, $500 accounts. Like, if that's, if you have a a way to almost manufacture policies, great. Um, But also treat, you know, prioritize them like they should be prioritized. Like, that's the biggest thing I can see you know, sometimes happening um, both of, like as an agent or a, a producer um, or like as an underwriter, you know, a lot of times um, maybe as right, wrong, or indifferent as it sounds like everything is not an emergency, right? Yeah. Like this, it is important to be quick, but um, also just realize that like, hey, your commission on this is, you know, it ha- you only can put in this much work to really make money or see that, see that go. However, insurance is an annuity right and we're renewing it and so that's really where like if you take if we can you're not going to make money your first year right but if you can streamline your processes and your all the things that go with it enough to that you have as little um you know they're not calling in and asking every question or like they're able to just help themselves or you're doing a great job educating them in the beginning and how like to best work with you right um you know, like I think about our kids' schools, right? They're like, they have a drop-off line and you know how to contact the teacher and you know what's going to be most effective. Like she's not going to respond to your your text message, but she's going to respond and app. Like educating your clients on the best way to work with you and like the things that they can do. I think and almost training them um, so that they're getting what they need, but they're renewing every year. I know that probably sounds like very complicated and a lot of work, but I no. just like really taking the time that first year to invest in that conversation or that information. And then hopefully year after year, and you know, everyone's happy um, investing in automated marketing and touch points to nurture that um, business, um, not putting your, you know, your CSR that's making $75,000 on all the small commercial accounts um, <laughs> is probably your best, your best bet, yeah. right? is trying to automate as much for her for him um, as possible. Yeah. I think that's good advice. I, it, you know, I think you could hear that from any perspective in the industry and learn something from that advice. And I appreciate that. I think, you know, going back to some of the things that you had said to unpack a little, I think, um, you know, the more you can take off of some of those people, whether it's, you know, again, using a virtual assistant or uh, chat bots or robots or whatever you want to call it, or using something like Coterie or just investing in technology to take some out the play, I think it's going to be helpful. But I don't think it's for the purpose of replacing humans. I think it's for the purpose of making them more impactful in their job. Right. And freeing them up to have those like really, truly impactful yeah, like moments. Left- skill set yeah to the best to the you know maximum capacity having them really do like critical thinking and yeah um versus just processing yeah i think you're right because i think you know and there's some people that just enjoy you know processing and doing that thing and that's one thing but people that are just truly good at um you know building those relationships like you know i was way better you know at building relationships than i was as a salesperson but that's what made me a decent salesperson and i think there's a lot of account managers, CSRs, you know, claims, whatever it might be, underwriters that are good at building those relationships, let them do that. And that enhances their job, you know, skills, so to speak. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. And I think, you know, um, I just think you can't teach that. You can teach underwriting. You can teach, you know, closing skills or whatever, you know, salesmanship, but you can't teach just that skill of building relationships. I just think that's innately in people, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's a hot take. 
<laughs> a hot take. Um, yeah, I would agree. I think like there's some like natural right ability, like a lot of people have natural curiosity, right? Yeah. And having those asking those questions or um, you know, maybe the way that you ask questions or that you you bring up things or even like being vulnerable like to people, right? Is oftentimes a great way to to find commonality or build relationships. Um, but I think there are things you can teach, like I would say, um, or at least model for people, right? To yeah, help, yeah, yeah. help them or be like, have you thought about approaching it like this and teaching some things? Otherwise, we'd only have a very small portion of the country or world that was good at, at relationships. No, that's that's true. But I do think, again, my hot take would be that I think people are born with that ability, uh, you know, uh, and those that are born with that ability, I think are more successful in those situations than people that are not. And that's my hot take. You can hate me that listen to this or not. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you and I talked about before, and I, I love hot takes. Um, and so, you know, uh, a little controversy never hurts anything. I try not to be controversial, but it is fun. You know, since we're on this topic of, of uh, you know, hot takes, um, let's play a little game for a minute. Uh, All right. Love let's it. see what you think. Um and I, and I love these things. And so I'm going to pull a random card that I haven't looked at. Yeah. All righty. Oh, here we go. It's a game called Hot Takes, ladies and gentlemen. If you're watching on video uh, or if I release a clip. All right. Uh, sock, shoe, sock, shoe, or sock, sock, shoe, shoe? Sock, sock, shoe, shoe. But th that's the way I do it. I wouldn't judge you if you did it another way. But that is my tried and true method. What about you? No, I'm, I'm with you. You got to put on both your socks and then both your shoes. All right. Hot take number two here. Um, money can buy you happiness. True happiness. I'm going to add that in there. Um, I think no, not okay. true happiness. But I'm going to have a caveat because butts are, you know, that's that we always operate in a gray space. Would say if money can solve a problem for you, let it. Like, there's no reason to be stubborn. Like, for instance, if you have enough money to hire a housekeeper or, a, you know, someone like that, and and that's a huge headache to you, like, let money solve that problem. <laughs> that, that's how I feel. Yeah, I hear people say a lot in the industry or just in life of like, oh, it's not all about the money for me. And I think it's some sort of capacity. Again, you know, a spinoff hot take is I think it's always a little bit about the money, you know, otherwise everybody would work at, you know minimum wage jobs or they wouldn't work at all. I just think that there's a level of, it's always about the money a little bit. Um, and people that say, you know, don't just sell on price. Yeah. I understand that. Don't add value, go that direction, but price is a factor. It may not be the number one factor. You could rise above that factor, but it is a factor. If the, the expiring premium is two grand and Coterie quotes, it gives you a quote back at five grand. You're probably not going to win. Right. It needs to be like, you know, somebody somewhere is going to be selling something else to close that gap. So whether it's your loft control services or your personality or whatever it is, right? Um, I agree on that. The other thing I would say too um, in life, right, is, you know, when they say it's not about the money or whatever, like I heard you should always be earning or learning. And if you're not doing one of those, um, it's probably not worth it. And so like, I've, I've thought a lot about that. Like, yeah, is, you know, is this role or is this job, is it something I'm learning from? Is it something that's developing me or yeah. am, I, am I making money? Or at no, least I love that. No, I love that. And I, you know, uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that professionally and personally, but okay. Uh, let's do one or two more. Um, oh, this one's interesting. Okay. This guy goes in our conversation a little bit earlier. Okay. The question or the hot take is, and this is their hot take, not mine, but I want to hear your thoughts. Trauma makes you more relatable. Probably. Um, I, you know, it, I maybe, uh, maybe there's some traumas that I don't relate to, but I would say overall, like um, trauma and maybe healing that trauma is probably a good place to start. What about you? What are you what's your hot take on that? Uh, I definitely agree that it does. Um, you know, I, I've talked to people, uh, you know, I've had that fortunate life that they haven't been through some of the things that others have those people i just can't relate to you know i just have a hard time with i'm like oh that's great that you went through da, 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 or your life has been whatever perfect is for them or sounds like to me 
I just can't relate to that. But someone like you and I have an instant connection and I didn't know it until we talked of you've been through divorce. You and I have a, you know, a shared interest or a shared thought process of, you know, being single parents, getting remarried, you know, blending a family, you're having a career during all of that and the hurt and the heartache that goes with some of that and the pain and the guilt. I could go on forever just on divorce and remarrying. But then also if I'm talking to someone who's like, because I was in a nasty car wreck and spent a year in a wheelchair. If I'm talking to someone else who's been through something like that, I can relate to that. Or if I'm talking to someone who's lost their job due to whatever, you know, someone can relate to that. You know, I think if you've gone through trauma, you're going to be able to connect with people, whether it's the exact same trauma or just in general, those feelings of pain and hurt. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, maybe someone who lived that perfect life, so to speak, for me, their trauma could relate to somebody else. So I think, I don't know. I think I just shot my own self in the foot on that one because someone, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we all have, right, a, a, probably a common theme of just, like, being human, right? So whether that's, like, hurt feelings or grieving, yeah. um, even someone with a perfect life, uh, in quotation marks, right, yeah. has lost somebody, right, or has yeah. felt than or has felt, you know, time, time and time again that, like, things didn't go their way. So um, those are, I think the experiences that I like to lean on because not everyone is going to be a 40 or 40 year old white female from Wisconsin (laughs) that's, you know, doing those things. So I think we can all relate to some of the human experiences, even if um, trauma isn't necessarily the top of their list, or maybe they're just not vulnerable enough to share it. Right. Okay. So last one. Um, Let's see here. Alrighty. Um, the math I learned in school is completely useless in my day-to-day life now. Um, just had <laughs> a conversation with, um, with my child as he's like looking at, you know, pre-calculus and calculus. Yeah. I would say, um, algebra or advanced algebra is probably where I topped out and needing it in the future. I have not had yeah. calculus. Um, but that's not to say that like, um, actuarial ag- algorithms aren't aren't using some of that in the insurance sure. world. And right. Like, um, for me personally, um, not so much. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's fascinating because they changed math. For those yeah. of you raising kids right now, you understand what I'm talking about. If your kids are already in college and you listen to this, you probably don't get this. But they've changed math. Four thousand years or however long it's been of doing math the way we did math, and now in the last however many years, I would say five or ten years. Yeah. It changed it. In that sense, no, the math I learned in high school doesn't. But um, I, I'm fascinated at how much I use math now in my day-to-day life. Simple math, not calculus. I don't think I even got to calculus. I think I'm that dummy that stopped at like algebra too. But, you know, like I'll be in a store and I'll be figuring out tax. And, you know, if it's like 30% off and then there's the stores, you know, they'll say additional 50% off the 30%. And I'm like doing the math in my head. It's a game for me. Cause my wife would be like, all right, he do the math and I'll do the math and we'll get to the register. And I'm usually off by a few pennies, but if I get it, I'm like, hell yeah, I nailed it. And I'm like, oh, I'm still using my math. But again, it's simple math. It's not long division or anything, which is some people like long division, simple math. Heath. But anyway, can you see this card? Oh, cereal is a type of soup. What do you think? I think, okay. think about soup. What is soup? We're going to argue here. What is soup? You're not cooking. Soup, you have to like mix and cook, right? You're not just like dumping. Okay. Soup in general, though, it's it's the same thing. It's a liquid, you know, that has some stuff in it or whatever, and you eat it with a spoon in a bowl. Cereal, you pour in a liquid and you eat with a spoon. I don't know. That's a good. That goes back to the other old age or age old. You know, is a hot dog a sandwich? I mean, that one I could see a little bit more than really. I, I would have to say a cereal is a soup and a hot dog is a sandwich. So if you say cereal is a soup, then you also have to say a hot fudge sundae is a soup because it's a liquid and a solid, like in a bowl, right? If if the only criteria is putting it in a bowl. Then oh, I, I say okay. a hot Sunday is also a soup. 
you're going real insurance black and white on me here, and I could go. I could go for that. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this. If you see this, if you listen to all of this, and you see me post this on LinkedIn, I want to hear your comments on that. Uh, I may have to get that on TikTok or something too, because that's an interesting debate. Um, but I definitely think that a hot dog is a sandwich, uh, and I've been. My kids hate it. I bring this up about once a year, and my kids are like, "God, Dad, let it go!" And I'm like, "Guys, it's, it's a sandwich," and they hate it. So is a burger, like, do you consider that a sandwich or is it just like a category of its own? It's technically it's a sandwich. Okay. Technically in my book, that's my hot take. It's that's very black and white uh, because it's just a broad definition of what a sandwich is. Is it, is it? Yeah. I'm just thinking like, does the sandwich being the people who argue against because of like the angle in which you eat it? Like it's, it's, vertical instead of horizontal what's what's the argument i don't know that's the thing i try to figure out and my kids tried to give me they've tried to give me every argument every angle and i could usually debunk every one of them but i don't know i uh i just think it's fun to have that argument but uh i appreciate you becky Uh, i appreciate coterie i love coterie i think coterie is awesome um and i love what you guys are doing and i love that we did get to get a little bit of an infomercial there but Take another minute and a half. Like, how do we find Coterie? You know, how do you get involved? What is the process? Is it its own deal? Is it through an MGA or is it through a this? Or could you like, just tell me all the things real quick? Yeah. So Coterie um, itself is an MGA. Um, we write on paper of three carriers. Uh, we write in all fifty states for BOP and GL, and then we also have a professional lines policy. Uh, if you are interested in um, becoming a producer or even getting connected um, on our API or digital side, which is the side I um, run with, I recommend reaching out um, and just going to CoterieInsurance.com. Um, make sure you have the insurance piece in there. Otherwise, Coterie is also a diaper company <laughs> name. Um but uh, coterieinsurance.com. Um, and then there's information about producer resources. You'll be connected with our amazing onboarding team um, who will kind of walk you through everything Coterie and, and make sure we're a good fit together. But um, really, we're always interested in connecting with people who want to write small commercial insurance in a streamlined, easy fashion. So um, that's probably the easiest way. Otherwise, you're also free to, you know, LinkedIn inbox me um, and I'll get you connected to the right team as well. And if people are getting into commercial raters and rating platforms, are you on any of those? Yeah, we are almost, okay. I would say most of them. Um, we definitely have relationships with all, like a lot of them. So awesome. if you're using one um, and you're interested in Coterie, you know, contact your rep there and we'll get you connected. Otherwise um, you're also able to, uh, you know, reach out to us too, and we'll kind of walk you through that process. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much, Becky. Thanks for hanging out. I uh, had such a good time with you again. And if you didn't hear the one on Vertifor, go check out the Vertifor podcast and listen to Becky there too. She's a rock star. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun. That was a blast. I uh, had a good time with my friend Becky. We talked about uh, all kinds of cool stuff. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, um, you know, uh, make sure that you subscribe. I don't ask that very often, but hit the subscribe button. Uh, also, if you want to hear more about Coterie, go to the website, CoterieInsurance.com, uh, C-O-T-E-R-I-E, and uh, check it out. And a lot of you that have seen my shirt, ask them about the shirt. It says drink, beer, sell insurance. They also have drink margarita, sell insurance. I think they have drink um old fashions maybe they have something else but anyway it's just a fun uh, a fun shirt um and i don't even drink beer but i love the shirt i think it's really fun it's very conversational so ask about that uh reach out to becky if you want to on linkedin she's a great follow she talks about women and insurance mentorship parenting she also talks about making commercial insurance easier um she's just fantastic human being and, and i've really enjoyed getting to know her uh, check all that out. If you have an idea uh, for a guest, uh, let me know. Heath at Insurance Town Podcast or hit me up on the socials. Uh, subscribe, you know, find me on socials. Hit me on LinkedIn. Hit me on uh, all of them. Uh, my favorite, TikTok uh, or Instagram. Hit me there. Uh, love you guys. Thank you again. And let's keep this show going. We're coming up into our fourth year. And I just so 
incredibly humbled. And also, be on the lookout for episode number 200. Guys, can you believe it? You've been with me for 200 episodes. And if you have, please let me know. If you've listened to all 200 episodes or 198 or whatever we're at now, let me know. Send me a message. I want to send you some some gear. I want to send you a prize or a present or a thank you from me. Email me. There's your CTA for those that like those. If you made it this far and you have a CTA and you want that, you want free stuff, Heath at insurancetownpodcast.com or find me on LinkedIn. Hey, I've listened to every episode. Thanks again, guys. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week.